All right, three, two, one, and we are live once again on another episode of CodeCast. You folks know what it is, season two, Furious Competitor Series. I have today, which is, it's funny, I feel like we should put a sublet on season two of like, referred by Brandon Ginter, because it's so many people I've been on this thing that Brandon's known. Um, Tommy, we'll have to get Brandon on for like a three-way episode between you, me, and him, and just see what happens. But today, I've got uh, a great friend of mine, um, someone who runs a really respectable business, does it the right way, uh, you know, relies on an ultimate competitive advantage that he's got backing him up that I'm sure he'll be able to articulate much better than I can. Um, someone I look up to, someone I'm very proud to call a friend, uh, Tommy Kenny, folks. Tommy, how are you doing? Cody, doing well. Thank you so much for having me on here, and likewise to you. It's uh, I feel like the benefiter of this uh, relationship for sure, so oh. thank you. Hey, man, I could say the same thing both ways. Um, so it's actually funny that I love, Tommy, you're coming on this podcast after coming back from a mission trip because it just so much identifies, like, how I just see you as a person and all the great things and you know great cheer you spread. Um, so a couple of, a couple of reasons why I think it perfectly aligned. I think sometimes we might have a little divine intervention in how this timed out is uh, Tommy, as you guys will hear a little bit more about, uh, runs an awesome real estate practice in the Colorado area. Um, heavily faith-based guy. And part of being a furious competitor, especially in business is things aren't always going to be easy. So we'll learn a little bit more about how Tommy's navigating the world of real estate. Anyone I know that you know is doing real estate in November of 2022, things have gotten a little bit different than they might have been in 2021 around this time of the year. So just talking about general principles. Uh, but, but Tommy, you know, one of the things I want to do is, is I've come to believe, you know, furious competitors, they're built, they're not born. Um, yeah. Tommy, You've got a really cool family story. Can you just tell us, like, what was it like for you growing up as a kid? Just give the fans, you know, some insight. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So um, I am uh, the middle child of nine, so grew up in a very large family. Um, all, everybody did sports um, at, in multiple sports, and so um, all very, very competitive from – I mean, there was almost relationships ended over a game of cards at multiple times. So, you know, <laughs> well, there's, sometimes we have to learn to not be so competitive in our family. But I um, grew up in that. Um, my dad has been a real estate agent for almost 40 years and so started our company and still active in that. Older Oldest brother runs it, the company now, and I help out a little bit with that and then run our own team within it. But... Um, played sports and our notorious Brandon Ginter, the referrer of all good <laughs> relationships, got to actually play football with him out in the Illinois area in college. And so it's just competitiveness has been a part of me since the beginning. So <laughs> whether I chose it or was born into it, or like you said, made it, it you had to, you had to fight to survive at times, you know? <laughs> For sure. I love that. It's always crazy, like, the universal skills we learn as kids um, oh, yeah. that transfer over. Tommy, it's interesting. I was actually just observing this with my nephew. Um, but, you know, when you mentioned even as a kid, you almost, you know, break a relationship over a, a card game. It's funny. Have you ever thought about when we're kids, like, really young, every decision's life or death? 
right? Like, if I won the game of Monopoly or not, like, that was the biggest, like, tragedy oh, yeah. that happened. But yeah. it's weird It'll as... look back the next year, for sure. Right. <laughs> it's, it's funny, right? But, like, when you're a kid and have those, like, big things happen to you, it's not like there's stress or anxiety around it. It's just raw emotion that you're dealing with. Totally. But as adults, we stress and have anxiety over so many things in life that really are not even that big of a magnified scale. Absolutely. No, it's true. And uh, I, you were at top mention our missions trip that we just went on. We were down in an orphanage down in Guatemala helping serve and do some work projects and whatnot. And there were all kinds of stressors. We missed flights going and coming back that <laughs> caused all kinds of shift and redirecting. And uh, But then you get to the orphanage and you hear these kids' stories of what they've come through and just how they're so full of joy and loving on people and no cares in the world. And it makes you reflect. You're like, okay, what? why do I get rattled or why would I get rattled over so many of the things that we do? when clearly here's these kids that if anyone has an excuse to be angry frustrated um not settled down and or focused in their life at all because of what has happened to them or what's gone in their on in their environment um they they have the the reason and the excuse to do it so none of us most of us don't have those same circumstances and yet we can find ourselves like you said those raw emotions just taking over at times tommy do you ever think i'd be curious to know your perspective on this when you do the mission work that you do and helping and serving i'm assuming obviously the main benefit is to help those kids how much of that help gives you a recentering of your own self which is general life oh um i mean i always say we gain way more than we ever could give going um and that is a big part of it is it is a total reset to be able to come back um to rearrange priorities to understand things that maybe have creeped in or that we're giving headspace to that um might not need the headspace that we're giving them to or shouldn't have it um and just being able to also just reset and refocus it's also also latino culture love latino culture because um they also do sitting well like they they understand slowing life down a little Mm. bit actually enjoying time with family and relationships and kids and the things in life that we enjoy and so it's always a great reminder to slow down too which is crazy because you have to like get busier to go do that because you got to take off work and you got to set up travel and the whole time you're there you're working and whatnot but then it's this reminder of slow down totally (laughs) reevaluate so but yeah it's a huge reset for sure so so Tom, we got, you know, the part you mentioned, taking it back to growing up as a kid, right? Water your family's in real estate. And this is the part I want to be really clear about. And I'm sure, Tommy, you can articulate on this further. There is a large differential between what a traditional secondhand or second generation business owner would be versus the industry that Tommy's in. So as most of you folks know, I work with a lot of people that are self-employed and it's not a manufacturing company to where basically all the systems and processes and employees are all in place. You're just basically getting the keys to the car 
make sure you don't crash it and grow it. Tommy, in the line of work you're in, I'm sure there could be so many folks that had come to you and said, what are you doing? You got to be nuts. Like your natural market has to be tapped and completely crushed. I mean, Tommy, out of the nine, how many of them of your siblings are, are in real estate? So three of the nine are, and then our dad still does it. Um, and then we have some other family members as well, cousins and aunts that have done it as well. So yeah, um, that was definitely a comment that when I first started doing real estate that I heard from multiple people, um, like, well, good luck, basically, because, I mean, everyone you knew and that you grew up with or you were around or that you went to church with or played sports with, your brother was the coach of them, your dad worked with them, they already know him, they've been around with them, they've used him already, all of that. And so it was definitely, there was an intimidating factor for sure to be like, oh, yeah, how's this going to work out? And it is very different than a lot of companies that might get passed down through the generations because it really is 100% built on just relationships and trust. Um, people, if they don't trust you, they're not going to want to work with you. And if they don't like you, they're not going to want to work with you. And so it's figuring out people that you're like-minded with and that enjoy to work with as well as that you can build a trust relationship with to form that business. So yeah, definitely just just another hurdle you got to overcome in it. Totally. Tommy, can you walk us through what was it like starting? Like, obviously, it's not starting with an advantage. You're starting with, from a business perspective, a disadvantage. What was it like starting for you? Just walk us through those first couple of years of getting this thing off the ground. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, mine's a little, as you know, Cody, our, mine's a little different. When I first started, actually, where our company was in the middle of tremendous growth so when I first showed up it was still very ma and pa shop but it, to my dad felt big because he, he went into real estate not trying to grow a big company he went into real estate to be able to control his own hours have family time um, he had run all kinds of retail management positions and um, had just was kind of tired of not being able to come home on weekends or have holidays with family and so he chose to go into real estate um, but did not want to have a bunch of people that he managed and naturally people still were coming and my oldest brother right before I started had taken over and there was about 17 agents in our company which um, again to my dad who did not want a big company, felt like a big company, but to everybody else, it's like, well, no, that's still pretty small. Um, but in the first two years, um, while trying to get um, my own clientele going, I was also helping my brother Mike grow our company. Not naturally, we weren't naturally trying to just grow a bunch of agents, but even with going from originally there being like two to three people and my dad to 17, like there weren't any systems, there weren't any softwares, there weren't <laughs> programs in accounting. We didn't have a cloud for storage. We, there was a whole bunch of things that at this point there should have been. And so I helped grow all of that, like put together our cloud and how we're gonna organize and how do you process closings and how do you stay in compliance and CRM systems and, um, signs and marketing branding and so I kind of full jumped into business management right away on top of um, trying to grow my own clientele so that part 
like everybody that starts in real estate, you have there's this you just have to get over the uncomfortableness of talking to people because you're new at something. You don't you're not an expert yet at your um, field. And yet you have to go work with people and be their expert so that you can get paid and live and help people out. And so there's a the biggest thing I learned in the first years was just the phrase, um, I don't know, but I'll go find out <laughs> because there's a whole lot you don't know mm-hmm. and, and you're not going to know and that you have to go ask. So luckily for me, the benefit to me coming into a family company was I did still have uh, a dad of 30 years of real estate experience that was at my disposal and a brother who was at, I think, uh, about 12 years or 15 years of experience to go ask those questions to, which is great. But you had to get over the the hump of like, <laughs> there was a temptation to be like, pretend like you know everything. Yep. You really, <laughs> which I have to tell new guys all the time now of, hey, people are going to know that you don't know what you're talking about, so don't make stuff up. <laughs> totally. Just be, be real and say, yeah, I don't know that, but let me go find out. And you're going to ask so many questions. You're going to get tired of asking questions, but it's the only way to learn and become the true master of your craft here. Um, and so it was it was really good. I almost quit after my first deal because my first deal ended up taking six months from going under contract to closing. Um, and I was like, this is awful. Like, why would anyone want to do this? And both my dad, who had been doing it 30 years, the lender, who had been doing it 20 years, and my other brother said multiple times throughout the deal, I've never seen this happen. I've never <laughs> heard of that. That's crazy. This is weird. Like, And what immediately that set me up for was, okay, this is going to be something that's constantly changing as an industry. There's going to be always new things to learn. You're never going to know it all. And so as long as you keep your mind open and you're willing to keep learning, you'll, you'll do okay. <laughs> and so those first years were really tough. Definitely. Um, people on our team, when they feel like it's tough, I'm like, well, you're actually doing a lot better than I did my first two years. So <laughs> not that bad, <laughs> but it is. And it's constant. It's a constant changing market. So as people know, if you don't watch too much news, but <laughs> it's, um, it's always shifting. People are, feel like it's just now shifting, but I feel like it's been shifting the last five years. It's been shifting in a upwards like, oh, prices are rising, rising, rising. Interest rates are dropping, dropping. And so that was like somewhat exciting things for most people. Interest rates low, made buyers excited. Prices high, made sellers high excited. So everybody was excited, but it was still a shift. We were having to get really creative for like first time home buyers. How do you get a first time home buyer who doesn't have a lot of cash into their first home when it's that competitive? That's challenging. How do you waive parts of inspection when a person's not a handyman at all (laughs) and this is their second home and they don't know how to do projects themselves? Though there was a lot of obstacles that we were overcoming in the last few years. It was just everybody was okay with overcoming them because dollars made sense to most people for sure tommy when you when you take it back to your first two years and obviously right now at the current economic conditions and how often do you reference your first couple years like when you think about how far you've come true um pretty often i feel like 
those are the years that form you a lot because you know Cody I'm a co- football coach now um, and I think everybody wants to be the championship team that's playing in November if you're in high school or middle school mm-hmm. or wherever or, hey we're the national champions that are playing in January for college but nobody wants to focus in on the times at the beginning of that like all of those players in college or in the NFL the years and years and years of practice that they've put in and during the summer and whatnot um and it's the same in real estate it's we have a huge attrition rate the last time I checked it was like 90 percent of people that get a real estate license this year will not be in business in a year from now um and but people sometimes people can see oh well it looks simple and easy and fun and and there are fun parts about it and it can be a lucrative business and but it's hard you're dealing with people in some of the most stressful moments of and the biggest financial decisions they make and so that's not always fun or easy to be in dealing with those same raw emotions that you have and um even just being able to <laughs> i mean that first deal that i had i had a, ret- a retired colonel from the army break down in tears multiple times because of the stress his family was going through. It wasn't anything on our end. It was all stuff out in California that where they were moving from that was causing issues with them being able to close on their house and whatnot. And, but just to be like, wow, you become a counselor (laughs) in certain scenarios, you become an expert on construction and certain areas. There's many hats that you have to wear and you're often, taking one off to put one right back on and all over the place. But you do reference those first years because they really do help build some resilience and character and a foundation for you to grow on. It's where you're going to find out if, are you actually going to keep doing this or did you think this was Grubhub that you're going to use for a little side cash here and there and just turn it on and turn it off when you want to turn it on and turn it off. Correct. Actually a business and a career which is pretty much true in every field. I'd say you gotta, you got to have that commitment to it. Tom, do you ever find, I was just, you mentioned this and it kind of sparked my mind, all the years of like when you talk about football players, of practice and practice and practice and practice. And I don't know about you, but when I first started, I hated the ramp up period of like all the studying you had to do and research. But, but uh-huh. now there's a weird part of joy I get because tell me you know when you get like such a good general basis of knowledge of what you do then eventually you start to study like these oddity specialties and then you start to like you enjoy the practice of it because you're now thinking like wow i'm going to maximize the practice out of this and it's just going to take my business to the next level that i didn't even foresee absolutely um it's so true i i the way i say it cody is that you have to learn to love the things that make you better you have to learn to so in football like i we teach our young kids like hey conditioning's not a punishment <laughs> conditioning makes you better so if you're getting punished we do other things we don't make them run sprints because then we're negatively training mm. them think about the thing that's going to make them game ready that's going to make them faster that's going to up their conditioning to be able to go longer at whatever skills they do um, and so we have, we teach them to love that time. 
by just changing the words in our mindset about conditioning. I know when I grew up, conditioning was like the punishment. There was no positive talk about conditioning, but it's the same thing in business. And I like we have to tell young people now that are coming in, like, hey, like you reaching out to your sphere, you doing open houses, you. Um, doing marketing and doing social media and going and sitting in classes and learning about new topics and studying all contracts and understanding negotiations and going through all the different things. They're not necessarily like fun. They're not what we would want to do on our Saturday afternoon with our spouse or with our friends, but they're those things that will make you better at what you do, which will make what you do more enjoyable (laughs) and you'll be able to excel in it. And so it's that changing of that mindset of, okay, I know I want to be good at this. Okay. So now let's line up the rest of my emotions and mindsets to make sure that I'm putting the right pieces in place to actually be good at something. Mm. Tommy, I just, I'd be curious to ask you, how much of the mental mindset of you being a top tier performer in your line of work has helped you translate that into being a football coach? I would say a lot. Um, I started coaching when I, the same year that I started real estate. Um, and I would, coming out of college, knew, <laughs> I knew football, been around it most of my life, and so knew a lot. But I would say I knew a lot of the X's and O's and I knew just like, like, I'm tough, I'm going to push through pain, that kind of mentality. But like me having to push myself again in another industry and one that is not just, hey, lower your shoulder and run through somebody. Right. That is a, it's a very multi-tiered, multi-leveled, multi-layered business that there's all kinds of features that you have to really think through and like in real estate one of the biggest things that i have to do is help if you're my buyer coding or going to look for a house i have to figure out what are you looking for because it's not what i'm looking for i'm not going to live in this house (laughs) i'm not the one buying it i'm not the one that's going to decorate it and maybe have a family there or have friends over birthday party i'm not doing all those things so it's what are you needing or what is the purpose of this home for you and having to figure that out and then come up with a plan of how do we get there? Mm. How do, who's the lender? What parts of the town does, can we find that house that you're looking for? What's the budget? What's the monthly? There's all the things that we have to do. And so I'm constantly doing that with people of like saying, hey, what is your goal? Where, where are you trying to get? Okay, let me, let me come up with a way to help you get there. It's the same thing that Cody Troyner does for all of us out there people coming in and um, helping us again, those financial goals where he sets up, but where do you want to be in your life by what points? Where are the check marks that we're trying to hit and you coming with your advice to say, hey, here's ways to make that happen. No, um, man, I'm just, Tommy, I appreciate that, man, but as I, <laughs> so I would, jokingly, but honestly say, I'm just practicing like a minor league version of the Tommy Kenny real estate experience <laughs> in the financial field. Um, <laughs> Tom, when you, I, one of the things too, I think that you, I had always thought about, believed in practice to a minor league extent. And then I remember meeting you and just, 
how often you spoke about you incorporating your faith into like not just certain parts of what you do, but we're talking nose to tail fully through what you're doing. Can you just walk us through how, if you could, I guess, articulate this to our listeners, how big your faith has been in getting you to where you're at right now at the business that you've built? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is, for me, it's, I I don't want to sound cliche here, um, and regardless of coming off cliche or not, um, it is like, I would say it's at the center. Um, I had a pastor one time growing up share a story that he said, God doesn't want to be first in your life. Because if he's first, that means there's a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, as many as you want to go down that he's not a part of. But instead Mm. he wants to be center. Because if he's in the center, whether I'm out playing football, going on a walk, hanging out with my wife, working, coaching, doing whatever, he's going to be a part of that. Um, so that's kind of the perspective that I have on it. But be, even beyond that, it's um, he cares about each part of my, those areas. There's a reason he wants to be there because he has insights and he's got counsel and he's got principles and he's got um, everything that you could need in understanding it. And so when I honestly, when I initially started real estate, I didn't want to because to me it seemed like what I saw was a lot, huge stacks of paperwork, and then it was maybe pushy sales. Um, I hadn't really had any close-up experience with what my dad had done, and as I got into it, I realized, whoa, whoa, it's not pushy sales at all. It is 100% coaching, coming alongside people, educating them, um, giving your advice and your expertise wherever you can to help them out. Um, And like, you don't talk people into buying houses. <laughs> Some people try to, <laughs> yeah. but um, I help them find the house that they're looking for, whether they're an investor or whether they're a first time home buyer, it doesn't matter. Um, but the other, the biggest thing that I'd say that my faith comes in is that um, people aren't that great <laughs> to where, um, often the motivation is not there. Sometimes people are very difficult to deal with, um, that I'm exhausted, life gets you down, all those types of things. But I can always look back in my life and know that I've been the ugly person at times. I've been the exhausted person at times and whatnot. And my God has never left me. He's never quit serving me. He's never quit loving on me. He's never quit having grace for me. He's never quit pushing me. He's never like, let me just stay the way I am. He wants me, he loves me enough to to take me as I am, but not to leave me the way I am. Mm. He has better stuff for me and then he keeps as a good coach coming alongside me and being like, yeah, I get, I get you have this opinion on this, but it's okay. Like, I'll be patient with you and we'll work through it. <laughs> it's slightly off kind of thing. And so me having that relationship that I can see that in my own life Um, when I'm going into tough situations, when I'm dealing with people or just exhausted or not sure you're, you're able to, I'm able to look and see like, well, here's how he's done it in my life. So I have a good reason an example and motivation to do it to others. Um, love that. 
And so those are kind of, I'd say those are the two things. It's just trying to make sure he's at the center and then using how he treats me as a way to treat others. And um, me and my wife, were not trying to be this driving multiple Ferraris out of the garage family. The real reason is there's a lot of need in this world and there's a lot of good people out there. And some of them don't know how to do business, but some of them know how to do ministry or counseling or running orphanages really 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 well (laughs) and they need people that know how to do business that have a bigger mindset and perspective um, to be able to help support them to come behind them and hey I, I, I might not be great at sitting on the couch with kid that's come through abuse or I might not be very good at sitting in a classroom and teaching kids how to read and write but I can I can help fund that those things and so that's a big goal and vision of ours too is just to be able to be able to give back and support those people that might not have the support needed to do what they need to do i tell you it's always i i love that your mindset sits there and i actually stole this from you or borrowed it because you still have it um of how you think about growing the business because i think a lot of times when you have strongly faith-based people, they want to go jump into ministry, right? Because it's like, it just, it, when you like, when you just observe it and like just go off like this natural gut and instinct and like snap decision, ministry looks really, really cool. In ministry yeah. in like a traditional sense, right? Yeah. Um, but what I learned from you was that we can create and infect so many other people in so many different ways and our specialty might not be in ministry. It might just be how you operate and conduct your practice that leaves people a little bit better than when you first found them. And by doing so, whether it's you know doing it in a day-to-day perspective or from a financial perspective, um, that was kind of the cool driving factor. And I, Tom, I always remember you know a couple years ago after you and I started working together and I changed my mentality around that. I'm just like, at first I wanted to build this monster business just to build it. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't really have like anything I wanted to buy. Um, I just want to build it to build it. And then I was like, okay, I just feel like there's a part missing. And then after just observing like how you think about growing the practice and what you're doing over there, I started to think about, I'm trying to grow this thing to just a massive empire to then allow me as a conduit to give a ton of it away. That's really all that I'm trying to do. So your thoughts of just like how you approach it and how you think about it and the growth of things. Cause you know, I think sometimes when you're a faith-based person where it's like ministry is not a high paying position, it's not right. So I, you can sometimes feel guilt where it's like, man, this is, I don't have the struggle that guy's doing, but at the same point in time, keeping a long-term range and the fact of knowing that, Hey, this is all for an end goal of just donating it all back out. Yeah. So I was, I want to say, you know, a huge thank you for that because that's changed my way. And after I thought about that, it's funny. Like when you put God as the centerpiece of things, <laughs> my business doubled, what grew by like 150% in a given year. And once again, even after I did that too, like what I knew is a true testament of like when I got there, I was always nervous when it would grow that much, if my mindset would change. And I even at that point, when I reached that part of that mountain, I like got even more convicted around it because... I knew it was legitimate because at that point I didn't change my lifestyle at all. Like, it really didn't. I think I bought myself like a new sweatshirt or two, and that was really it. Um, I just kept moving, man. So I want to say thank you for being, you know, a, 
a beacon out there where a lot of people think individuals that you know run a large business are always money hungry, greedy. They're in it for themselves, and that you know one of my purposes of this podcast is to prove is that that's not the case. A lot of times, so I want to thank you for being a large shining example of that light. On that regard, of course, uh, I appreciate you doing this podcast. It's good to get just to hear the different perspectives from so many different fields and different walks of life coming and just sharpening one another to keep pushing because it's like those those competitors we you got to know how do you keep growing how do you what what do i not know that i need to know what what am i where's a blind spot in my life that (laughs) i need to look at and sometimes they're not major things I, i love it when it's just like simple little perspective changes that just produce huge results whatnot i love the analogy of if a i'm gonna mess up the degree so any pilots listening don't don't uh, discredit me too much but um if a plane leaves chicago and is headed for la and it is like one degree off it'll miss it by like three or four hundred miles <laughs> or something which is just crazy that like those slight little adjustments can make the biggest improvements in our life for different results we will completely miss where we're wanting to go with just little things so it keeps you keeps you hungry it keeps you eager to keep learning and sharing and not feeling like we've arrived Tommy that was awesome it's actually because I know you're a busy guy and I don't want to go over on you that was actually that's an awesome piece of advice that I think we oftentimes think there's this big giant elephant in the room that we need to like move out of the way and a lot of times I think that's so true it's like no man that's not an elephant in the room it's like the size of a penny you just need to pick up and that'll change your direction forever um, yeah. Tommy, in closing, the biggest thing I want to ask you is first, what's next? Is you being a big growth guy and always thinking bigger, I'm curious to know what's next for you guys? Yeah, great question. Um, our big next step is um, so this past year and a half, I've been forming a team around us. Um, and um, brought new agents on and just trying to mentor them to do the same high quality of service to people. Um, In doing that, um, trying to be able to start coming along more side, like with having a team to be able to take care of more day-to-day items, um, being able to come in and come alongside more of those those partners of ministries or whatnot and coming in and just doing training with people and being able to use not just sending like financial resources to mm-hmm. those areas, but to be able to come in and educate because I think that's sometimes the biggest thing is that another mindset that's often either whether it's rightfully held or not um, is that those same big powerful companies have all the knowledge and they're not going to share it with anybody they're going to just kind of keep it tight because knowledge is power and knowledge is money. And so trying to train others to multiply. So it's really trying to create this next season of multiplication of not just number of deals, number of clients, but multiplication of ourselves. So training other team members to do exactly what you do so that they, the reach can be further coming alongside ministries and organizations that can use um, real estate advice, whether it's 
hey, you've been renting forever as a ministry. Let's show you how to buy and what that changes for your ministry of not feeling like you're going to have to get moved around every two to three years um, or helping create investment programs that help come alongside and make ministry self-sustaining. But trying to multiply our efforts and results for sure is the next big step and doing that through the passing on of knowledge and training. So, Got it. Right on. Tommy, last question for you. This has become a fan favorite. I love asking it. So you know how you hear most podcasts always ask, like, oh, what's the best piece of advice you ever gotten? There's enough podcasts out there asking that. My favorite question to ask that's always been quite entertaining is what is the worst piece of business advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> uh, that's a good question, Cody. Um I think the worst, I might get shot for this one, but <laughs> I think, and I get the reason behind it, but um, the fake it till you make it was probably the worst to me because in a, in a way it alludes that to also whoever's training you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so... Because, you know, anyone that has a boss or a supervisor or whatnot, we want to impress that person, right? Because who in, who controls the ability for us to get promoted or move up? Right. That, that supervisor, right? So I get more often, unfortunately, it's I don't like it directed when that fake it till you make it is to your clients. <laughs> but I also don't like it when it's to your boss because basically what you're doing, I think you're limiting your ability to grow faster. Mm. Like. As players, when I'm a coach, if I have somebody come up to me and say, Coach, I have never played football before. <laughs> okay, good. I know where you're at. Yep. And I can help get you there quicker. Or if, like, I, I being around football all the time, use football terminology and some younger kid or maybe someone that hasn't been around football as long, the whole time is like you keep saying this phrase and i have no idea what you mean and they refuse to like they don't come tell me like hey coach you keep saying this but i don't know what you mean then they're going to be confused the whole time which makes me frustrated because then they never really understand what i'm trying to teach and they're frustrated because they don't understand what they're supposed to know mm-hmm. uh, and so i think that um fake it till you make it puts up a of like a fake pride that keeps you from being able to admit you don't know something, which can keep you from learning (laughs) versus saying, Hey, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn. I would much rather have that. Like my, I'll tell one quick story. Our whole company was founded on that. Everybody tells you, Oh, fake it till you make it. My dad jumping into real estate. Oh, my mom's dad had been a realtor. So he had a little bit of help in his corner but no experience selling real estate. So got licensed, started Kenny and company, and went and, okay, I gotta find business. So he goes and knocks on a for sale by owner door, said to him, was just 100% honest. He said, I am brand new to real estate. I don't have a bunch of listings, so I can't tell you, here's all the experience I have. Here's all my flashy flyers and things like this of previous properties I've sold. But what I can tell you is that you will get my undivided attention that I will work as hard as I can for you and that I'll, I'll, I'm going to learn whatever I don't know. And the guy said, okay, I'll give you a shot. My dad has never gone looking for business again. Let's <laughs> go. That's that person started referring him 
he was a very successful architect <laughs> and owned, was a part owner in a construction company and his referral business just started from there of pouring it. But it started with being humble enough to say, hey, I don't know something, but I'm willing to work and learn. And I think we too often are like, hey, let's just pretend like we know everything yep. and act like we know everything until we secretly figure it out ourselves versus just say, I don't know, and but I'm willing to learn. So it's got to have that willing to learn at the end of it, though. There's also the attitude of, I don't know anything, and it's your job to teach me everything. Right. Um, well, not exactly. <laughs> Tom, I think we could almost have our own separate podcast on that one saying a fake it till you make it, right? Because like, there's so many different degrees of it. I think even think about it from the perspective of what your dad did, right? Went and sold a home, right? You know, you can fake it till you make it. Like, okay, that's like a stage one of like real estate, right? I'm assuming your dad wasn't going to like industrial parks and like, oh, this is like a 700,000 square foot industrial facility. Like, I have no idea how to sell this, but yeah, um, yeah I think there's, I think fake it till you make it that's such a good thing where it has an unmitigated pride factor to it i think sometimes we have to use fake it till you make it just to encourage you to go to the level of courage that you need to get to that you already knew you were there but i think having self-awareness to know that like hey if you're at a level one skill set don't tell somebody you're at a level 10 skill set tell them you're at a 1.5 because you can rise to the 1.5 pretty easily but don't tell them you're a 10 so i think that's I so much agree with you that that saying is, is zipped around so many different ways and it's a dangerous way to live life if you don't know how to take it and digest it the proper way. Um, exactly. yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's why I said I'm like, I, I get the reason behind it. And I'm like, I know it. And I feel like there's it, it has such benefit in so many ways, but then it also has limits in so many ways. And so you're like, oh man, <laughs> for me at times it was a limit. <laughs> and then other times... In my life, it was a boost. So yeah, for sure. So not overall bad, but <laughs> fair. I've seen it hurt a lot. Uh, tell me, as, as we come to closing here, um, can you share with us where we can find you on social media, online, and best ways to get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. You can look at uh, either our Kenning Company website, which is just KenningCompany.com, or our team website, which is TKREHomes.com. Um, but yeah, or and on there has all of our phone numbers, emails. So would love to help anyone out that needs it. So yeah. feel free to reach out. I love buying coffee and lunch to help set goals and plans to make those goals happen. So totally. it's always a good time. Appreciate it. Tommy, well, thank you so much, brother. God bless the work that you guys are doing. Um, if this has helped one person and one percent, this has been more than worth it. Um, hope you guys get some value out of it just as much as I've gotten value from just absorbing how Tommy operates on a day-to-day -day basis. Thanks again, Tommy, so much. We appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Cody. Appreciate you. Absolutely, brother.